Now I'm recording. Okay, now you're recording. All right. Yes. You ready, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm ready. Ah, right. Welcome, everybody, to Random Encounter, the RPG Fam podcast. Had a little bit of a hiatus lately because, you know, I had to beat everybody down in StarCraft 2, so we got it all out of our systems. So, Zach, what Therefore, happened? What happened? Oh, yeah, you mean you're, you're better than me, Rob. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I beat you, and I beat Steven, okay. but Steven's not here today, so, uh, you know, much love to him. So, no more StarCraft 2 discussion. We're here to talk about RPGs. And joining me today, we have... Dennis, Turnbeast, two, dude on the boards... Zach. Neil Dincrest on the boards, and Zach super flat on the boards. Awesome, awesome. Again, I am Pale Ravi on the boards, your resident hater. Uh, today we got lots and lots of games to talk about. We have a little bit of a discussion on control slash AI uh, in battle systems that leads into some of the games that we're playing. We have a lot of news to talk about from Gamescom, including I Was Right, a CG trailer for Dragon Age 2. Who'd have thought? Did we actually think we were going to see actual gameplay? No. Uh, now, to round out the episode tonight... I have to get some things off my chest. Uh, I've been having a horrible customer service experience with Sony, getting my PlayStation 3 repaired. Uh, Again, it doesn't really fit in with what we talk about on the show normally, so we're going to save that for the very end. Um, We're going to tell you guys when we're going into it. If you don't want to hear about it, that's perfectly fine, but just as a consumer report to you guys, just the kind of thing that I'm going through right now with trying to get my PlayStation 3 serviced. So, without further ado, I think we should go to well. What did we do in the show notes? Uh, we said Zach was going to talk about near near. So go ahead, go ahead, Zach. Near, near, Tell near. Us about near. Yeah. Um. I I bought it on on uh on the eBay's uh as per Pat Gann's recommendation. Check out his review on the site. It's it's pretty glowing review uh for the most part. And uh, I've I've really been enjoying it so far. I'm let's say six-ish hours in. I'm not honestly not too far. Uh, haven't gotten to I think there's like a halfway point that you know like you can later restart your game from or something. But I haven't gotten that far yet. I don't think. Um, but it's good. It's it's for those of you who are unfamiliar with Nier, it's an action RPG from uh, Cavia, who are the guys who did uh, was it Dragon Guard. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dragon Card in Dragon Dragoon or something like that. Um, yeah, Dragon Dragoon was uh, Dragon Guard in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so so they made those games. It, it plays almost like a, a Zelda meets God of War sort of deal, where you know you so have Darkers. Yeah, kinda. I mean, it's it, okay. you know, it's got it's got like the big you know open world. It's got you know some dungeon crawling, although the dungeons aren't quite as involved and it's not as blatant a ripoff as dark stalkers um but you know i've just i've been really enjoying the game the story is really kind of intriguing and I, i'm interested to see where they go with it uh it the graphics are not great you know but there there's something that i feel like we've lost in in this day and age with all the the unreal engine 3 like 
you know, just waxy skin and all that. And it, you know, it's gotten better, but it's, you know, it's almost like a high res, let's say, you know, like late PS2 era game, which, you know, you could say that's like really bad on it. You know, you could say that's you know okay, but I think the, the simplicity and the bleakness of the world is kind of well played out, you know, even if it's perhaps accidental, you know, just for not having the, you know, the same quality visuals and the sound is phenomenal. The, the, the soundtrack is just like some, some of the most yes. amazing music I've heard in video games in a long time. Yeah, the really, really good stuff. Yeah, what Sorry. I saw from the soundtrack was definitely good, but I, I agree with uh, Zach's assessment. That is a fugly game. Like, it, I was looking at it, and I was like, wow, this kind of looks worse than God of War 1. Like, this is... I mean, that's huge. the thing, is, like, it's it's high-res, and the textures are sometimes less than stellar, often less than stellar, but the character models are, are pretty okay. And, you know, I mean, it's it's really not the sort of thing that will detract from your gameplay experience. And... I mean, on the good side, it runs at, I think, close to 60 frames most of the time. And considering there's very little detail in the world, there's not much popping. So, you know, I mean, yeah. that's that's one of my pet peeves. I hate popping so much. Now, if I, now, if I remember correctly, just to give the the listeners a little something to chew on, uh, they were they made a lot of changes to the story from the Japanese to American version. I know that, like in the Japanese game, I think it's uh, you're trying to save your sister, if I'm correct. Well, and there's so in Japan there were two versions: uh, Near Replicant and Near Gestalt. Near Replicant is the PS3 version, uh, and you were playing, let's say, a younger version of the main character trying to save your sister, and it looked very, uh, I don't know, anime almost. You know, I mean, it has the same kind of rendering style but you know the the character designs were a little bit skewed for a, a you know whatever I, I i'm reluctant to say like japanese audience but you know it did outsell the xbox 360 version two to one uh and then near gestalt is what we got which is known as near uh here um and that's the you know like the same version uh as you know what we have but it, i think it follows the same story you know just with your sister instead of your daughter. Mm-hmm. And that was Gestalt only available on the Xbox 360. Did I hear that right? In well, in Japan, in Japan. I'm not actually in sure Japan. because you know, like they have the PS3 version for America, which is you know near Gestalt. Uh, Gestalt such a great word, but um, I, I'm not I'm not 100 sure on that. You know, if if it, you'd have to ask me four months ago when it came out. To, to oh, okay. well, but yeah i mean it's i i'd recommend it you know i got it for let's say 30 bucks and on ebay and i think that's a really solid price for the game you know like it's and i granted i haven't played through it so you know i'm already enjoying it but yeah that's, so that's cool yeah that's, that's kind cool. of what that's I'd, cool to hear because yeah, you know because like with uh, the first dragon guard game you know i like the atmosphere and everything but and even the storyline, but I thought that the gameplay was just really repetitive. It kept, it was okay. It was like cutscene, aerial mission, ground mission, and they were, and they all just pretty much played the same. I mean, to that's, me. that's one of the things that I really like about the game is that, you know, I've played through, let's say, not even, I mean, let's say a third to close to a half, and I've gone through three ish dungeons. Uh, the first one is fairly straightforward, but then the second one you get kind of portions which are played almost like a twin-stick shooter where you're controlling which direction you're, like, shooting out, uh, like, 
like little blasts of energy with you know like the right stick and then there's the dungeon after that is like a, a series of trials so you have to try to destroy this pink cube without getting hit by uh these other cubes shooting energy balls and you can't like let's say swing your sword or you can't run or you can't dodge and so there's there's you know a bunch of interesting gameplay in there at the same time there's a lot of fetch quests uh, you know, mm-hmm. and those aren't necessary. They're certainly far from necessary. Oh, okay. A lot. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. the completionist in me would probably do it nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just th- glad to hear there's like good, decent variety in the gameplay. It's it's almost <laughs> surprising just because you know like the you get you know I was t- really taken aback that there was you know like this twin stick shooter in my game or that there was you know the the puzzles were a bit more you know straightforward but the the boss design has been fairly, you know, not not super exciting, but it's been fairly inspired. Um, and, you know, yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend it. Definitely check out uh, Pat's review because I, I'm very much in line with what he says so far. All right, all right. Uh, just to keep the ball rolling, in, in case we're done talking about Nier, why don't we move on to Dennis? Uh, it wouldn't be a show if we didn't mention Mass Effect 2, and I know you've still been playing that, so tell us what you've been doing, Dennis. Okay, I'll just keep it pretty short because I know you guys have been hearing it to death over and over. I like it a lot more than I do, even though I'm not big on the gameplay, only because I'm just not a big fan of shooters in general. And it just feels like, yeah, what's there to work on? What's the point of killing all these grunts if I'm not even getting experience off them? That's my mindset on it. I would rather just spend hours just talking to the characters and everything rather than just get on the action. But that's just me. But it just feels like, yeah, one big introduction, then like, I'm almost near the big final mission. Just still got some three recruits to go and do the loyalty quests, but that's about it. Other than that, yeah, I also picked up Nier recently. I'll just keep that short. Uh, the reason I got it was a mixture, a bit of Pat's uh, praise about it. And then there's the music. I really, really like the soundtrack. That just blew my mind. Whereas a lot of just soundtracks in general just gets a little too ambient and just feels like it doesn't carry over experience outside the game where i just like to listen or to tune stick with me you know what i mean can, can i actually stop you for a second because uh, that's that's really interesting you said that you're not really a fan of the ambient music because uh we've had a lot of games come footage come out of diablo 3 oh, and that's like you know the game i'm focused on i really don't like the fact that the and again i'm not signing a petition or anything but i really don't like the fact that the music is a little bit more high adventure and a little bit more like in your face i wouldn't say god of war-esque with like you know gregorian chanting but it's a little bit more in your face and i always thought diablo worked better with kind of the ambient creepy music so i think it's it's interesting that you say that you, that you you don't like it when it's not ambient because I think sometimes it, it can be it can really enhance a certain type of game. Yeah, I guess part of me is like I like things melody driven. I just like something that sticks to me and hum. That's what I like about the music. Not exactly just you know fitting the game and everything. Well, is it memorable enough to carry over for me to listen and remember my head through time? You know, like the Oval's classic games and stuff like that. That's just how my where my mindset falls. Okay, okay, I can definitely see that. Like, the music of Diablo, you can't exactly hum that, except for, like, maybe the Tristram's theme, so... Okay, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dennis, I just thought that was interesting. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll make that into a discussion someday, but end of the time. And, of course, E7 came out last Tuesday, been enjoying it. That's technically the first game I actually own, both the import and the English version of it. 
because basically it's like with all the publishers having bad luck with the series beforehand, I just decided to pick up the E7 when it was just New in Japan was just looking at guides because who knows when it's coming out to the U.S. if at all. Thankfully, XE, you know, didn't be doing a good job at it and been greatly enjoying it. Overall, it's very different from all the other ones. For starters, it's actually the longest East game by far because the average East game is about like what six to eight hours. This when I played the import and remember, I didn't even get lost in the game because it was rather straightforward. I clocked in at thirty. That's, Whoa. Yeah, that's quite a jump for what I was just familiar. It's like I was just expe- fully expecting to pay sixty dollars for the import thing. It's like, yeah, it's a short but very sweet ride kind of thing, like all the other games. It's like, no, I didn't expect it to last me that long, and just do so have so much compared to the other games. So that was really impressive. Interesting feature about the East, this East game is there's a party system, whereas there was it was always a solo adventure beforehand. You could switch between three party members on the fly, and it actually works out really good for the first time. You know, Falcom did something like this for the series. The AI is well handled because they dodge the attacks well. They, they dodge. They barely get hit, and even if they receive the heavy amount of damage, they actually will not die unless you switch to them. So they could just be hanging in one HP, and if you just switch to the wrong place, that's when they get screwed. So you don't really have to worry about managing the AI if you can handle it yourself well. Kind of thing. That's kind of an interesting mechanic, just the fact that you can't die unless you're in that character's shoes. So you could theoretically jump around, you know, like, couldn't you heal somebody and then jump around just to make sure that you don't end up, like, dying? Yeah, you could still do it, but I'm just saying it's like you don't have to deal with the worry of, you know, your party members dying on you because of a stupid mistake. In fact, it just feels like, yeah, the your a party AI is a bit under-aggressive. They don't do as much damage as they should, but they take pro survival over everything, so that's kind of help, helpful in that sense. Hmm. Interesting. Though, yeah, and it's, and it really lost the platformer elements that some of the other games have, mostly from the import side. So people don't, aren't really familiar, probably until November when Othenfelgan is going to be into the picture, because that's a, a 2005 PC game that's got a recent PSP port transfer, and that's because that's going to also begin coming all right all right all right i guess the only thing i kind of felt let down about e7 is like with the boss fights it's kind of gotten scaled in easy side whereas i really really like the way Othin felgana does things because this is how it works no items it's just pure skill with only uh levels and equipment being secondary factors but yeah you got a lot of attacks to dodge you got to hit it's all it's all about the it's all about your skills to preserve the boss fights, and yeah, there's no healing or anything, so yeah, good luck. Whereas with E7, they kind of back to the heal, the heal aspect, I guess, because of the party members. But still, it's like with normal mode, I believe there's a nine item limit, whereas with the harder difficulties, the item the item cap is a lot smaller. So, so now, so now that's in terms of like healing items and whatnot. So like you you have less resources in the middle of a battle when you up the difficulty, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's still one of the easier games I've played, because, yeah, I guess I just got spoiled by how epic the Falgana boss fights get because of the way it's structured. All right. Well, excellent. Uh, now we're going to move on to Neil talking about uh, stuff. Go for it, Neil. Okay. 
Um, besides a couple of indie games I reviewed for the fan, um, I've been uh, playing this the demo for this indie game called Reseteer. It was a uh, it's an indie Japanese game that was picked up by an indie American publisher. Um, it releases on September 10th, and I've been playing the demo a lot. I mean, the game it's a it's like an item shop sim slash dungeon crawling RPG. It's a lot like the Gus titles, like uh, like Atelier Annie for the DS. You know, where she's basically running running a shop, basically running a shop and killing monsters. I forget who talked about this a couple weeks I think ago. We, because we brought I made, it up I mean, in news because they there was the announcement yeah. and the demo you know came out. And so, yeah, that's right. Um, that's bottom right. line, well, bottom line for me is that I had to force myself to uninstall the demo from my computer because I didn't want to burn myself out on it before the game actually drops. Because what can I say? I I kind of I got I got addicted to the whole uh, running an item shop sim. And uh, let's see. And let's see. What else have I been playing? Oh yeah, I finally finally got around to you know playing Final Fantasy thirteen. About fourteen hours or so into it, and I'm actually part of the camp that likes it. Yay! Yay! Zach, you've played like twenty minutes of it. I have not. I've played a good seven hours ish. Maybe. Okay, have you gotten to the Perhaps. have you gotten to the part where it's two people in a party? Yeah, and I mean it's not it's not super fantastic, but I beat Odin in two tries where it took you six. Oh, uh, and I also killed you in Starcraft. Ice burn. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hope couldn't heal my party fast enough. It's cool. No, but yeah. So Neil, Neil, please. What? What? What is your take? My take. My take on Final Fantasy 13. Well, here's the thing. I was really hesitant about playing it, you know, because I heard all the complaints and everything, and I thought I was honestly gonna hate it. But I, I, I've been playing it, and I act, and I like it. I mean, you know, it. To me, I, I just, I think it's, I think it's fun. I, I like the care, I like the characters, and the music's incredible. Okay, especially wait, wait. that battle theme. The battle theme rocks okay i gotta go back a step okay i gotta go back a step because i you know i'm gonna be diplomatic when it comes to final fantasy 13 all right i can understand you having fun with the game i personally don't find it fun whatever i can understand you liking the music that's perfectly fine you honestly like the characters really like you you (laughs) really like okay you you uh, what exactly is it about the characters that you like i want to know that they're well i mean on my end they're characters and not you know i have a chainsaw on my gun or you know no but instead but instead it's some dude like we can be heroes or, yeah you know, okay i mean like okay so like, it's okay, yeah. some Vanille of the characters are really bad Vanille can be a little over the top at times hope can be a little whiny i mean lightning can be cold but i mean i think they're but to me it's like they're kind of believable because, I mean, here they are. They've just immediately – I mean, the life they knew has just been completely cut off. They've been thrust into exile. I mean, no one wants to know anything about them. You know, the world the world they're in now has been completely abandoned. So, I mean, 
So I feel like, you know what? If I was in that situation and frustrated, I would probably be uh, a pain in the neck like they are. See, but when I play Final Fantasy Thirteen, the character is really great on me because uh, we've seen huge strides in character developments in recent years, be it in RPGs or in other genres. Um, just thinking, for example, like even though I, I think Final Fantasy Twelve has a very screwed up story and it basically cuts off like completely at the wrong point. I really enjoyed those characters because they were deep and meaningful and there seemed to be a lot of conflict going on. And it was conflict from the very start. Like from the very start, I could tell that the characters had a lot of depth. 13 feels like three steps backwards, like where the characters – and I understand that there is a lot of depth that comes later. Again, I've read, I've read synopsis. I've, I've you know watched things on YouTube. I just have no desire to play the game because you know I don't – find it fun but i understand that that comes later but my point is that at the beginning of the game there's nothing to really like about these characters and so i was playing a game where i didn't like the battle system i didn't like the characters and i didn't like the story and it was like okay well that's the triple threat of death for a video game yeah for me, i mean we're like i have no desire to play it's a pretty rough trifecta that is unfortunately very top heavy you know it's very it's most of that i feel like is you know from what you've said and from what other people have said you know is solved you know not entirely but for the most part towards you know like the middle and the end of the game and you know it's we can we can get back to you know ragging on it for having a 20-hour tutorial or whatever but i feel like yeah, that's I, I just said to death you know and i think part of it might be that you know what if the game was called something other than final fantasy people might have received it better yeah, i think See, I would go the other end, honestly, and I, I would say that – and I remember I talked with our editor-in-chief, uh, Eric, about it. I would have actually said that this game would have scored noticeably lower if it didn't have Final Fantasy in the title because I think a lot of people were – I don't want to say making excuses, but I think I heard a lot of, oh, yeah, the first 20 hours are really bad, but then it gets really good. Or, well, the battle system isn't exactly what I want, but it's okay. Like, I just heard a lot of – Almost uh, mental gymnastics, if we go back to the South Park episode, I heard a lot of mental gymnastics for people trying to explain how they liked it. And I think people on the show that we've had – what was that? Are you sawing wood, Neil? <laughs> no, I – oh, sorry. I uh, accidentally knocked off my headset. Okay. All right. He, he was so angry. He just threw it down. But no, yeah, I, I think that <laughs> I think that the people on uh, that we've had on the podcast have really defended the game well. Like I know Dennis and I had a conversation about it. You, you, Zach has a different opinion than me, and you guys are all articulating it very, very well. And I think you guys like it for what it is. But some of the reviews that I were reading just like extolling the virtues of this game. But there were these caveats here and there, like, oh yeah, this part sucks, or oh yeah, this character is really annoying, or blah 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 blah. But you know what? We're still going to give the game a high score. And I'm sitting there going like, I don't know if it if it didn't have Final Fantasy in the pro in the title, would it have scored higher or lower? I don't know. All right. In my case for that, I guess the way I just feel is like, yeah, if I fall on there, it would have been received better if it wasn't Final Fantasy, only because it's like it's the standard issue. It's like, yeah, people are expecting to be mind-blown. It didn't deliver, so of course they be a little lower. If it was just some any other RPG, they probably would appreciate it more. 
that kind of mindset. Okay, I can I can see that angle. I I can honestly see that angle just from the pure spectacle standpoint of the game. Like you expected that with Final Fantasy, so we're numb to it. The fact that it looks fantastic and it sounds great, like we're numb to that. So we almost throw that away right away and then focus on the battle system. So I can see where you're going with that. Otherwise, okay. it's like, yeah, if it's just a regular RPG, probably would be a lot softer on it. Or maybe in some it, critics, a lot harder, but probably more in the more lenient side of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have some big name to look, look up to. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, here's, okay. here's an alternative, you know, scenario is Resonance of Fate. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it's a better game or a worse game or any, you know, judgment on it in particular, but... If you, you know, Residents of Fate is a game where they give you everything at the very beginning and, you know, like it's overload, you know, and it's overload. And I mean, you, you have to, you know, like, sure, there's a balance between them, but and, you know, people are going to say, well, you just suck for not, you know, like learning it fast enough. But, you know, I mean, it's still a good, you know, I still enjoyed playing what I played of it. It just was too hard. And so. You know, I'm not going to knock it for, you know, being a very difficult game with a, you know, perhaps, you know, it's certainly not too complex. People have learned how to play it and, you know, figured that out. Um, but it's just, you know, the 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 first 15 minutes, you know, are, are a little rough, much like the first, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 hours are a little slow. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's a different predicament. And yes, I feel like, you know, if, if it is the case that reviewers are, you know, taking the name, you know, like Final Fantasy into account, and it certainly is the case in some reviews, you know, like not off the top of my head, but um, that is not a, you know, I would go against that practice. You know, I'd be vo- vocally uh, against, you know, just saying it's good because it's Final Fantasy. But I, I still think that as a game, you know, like that perhaps does take too long to start, you know, like rolling. It's still fun. You know, I'm, I'm at least still having fun with it you know okay okay and about and about resonance of fate i mean i i and dennis i think you and i had this uh conversation at some point you know you made the point that ff13 and resonance of fate almost seem like complementary rpgs yeah, because it has all the things that one the, the others don't yeah I mean, like resonance of fate same- has all the you know flashy stuff it has the side stuff it's non-linear things like that well, I think um, to keep the podcast moving, I, we're, we're not really done talking about uh, the issues with Final Fantasy XIII uh, because that leads into it'll our topic. Of well, no, it'll never end. But it, it leads very nicely into the game that I started playing uh, the past two weeks while we've been off air, and then that leads into our topic of discussion so we can kind of do the two things at the same time. My main complaint about Final Fantasy XIII was that it wasn't fun. I didn't feel in control of the battle system. I didn't feel like... I knew what I was doing. I felt very far removed from total control, and that's a huge issue for me in a video game. Now, I recently started playing The World Ends With You, and this is a game, you know, I'm playing the DS game. I'm so into the story. It's a unique setting. You're, you know, a small kid who has amnesia, whatever. Uh, You're in Tokyo, and uh, you're in the middle of the... 
you're in Shibuya and you're in the middle of this game where you're trying to, you know, complete these quests in a set amount of time, even though, you know, the game doesn't actually have an in-game timer on it, but that's the nature of the story. So you're meeting people and you're making connections and you're trying to figure out the big mystery of how did this game start and whatnot. I'm into all that. I'm into the look of the game. It looks beautiful. You'd think that Yoshitaka Amano's art style would annoy me, but I think in this context, it works um, very, very well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm their belts, belts and zippers. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired right now. Okay. All right. No mirror. Okay. There we go. Sorry. Um, That's what we're here on. for. I'm sorry. I'm really tired. We're recording this late at night, but thank you for catching me. But uh, no, his um, his art style really works in this setting. There's belts and zippers everywhere. I'm so into the setting. I'm so into finding out what the story is going to happen. But I just think the gameplay is crap. Like I just it, it's so imprecise. And keep in mind, I'm playing it on a DSi XL. And some games do seem to have issues with precision when it comes to that. But I just feel so out of control in this battle system. Uh, for people that don't know, you basically have the battle is taking place on both screens. On the bottom screen, you're controlling the main character with the stylus, moving him around, and then performing stylus actions to attack enemies. Every one of your actions has a cooldown period. So you're trying to monitor the cooldown period on the various actions that you can use with your stylus, be it a slash for a dagger attack, or maybe uh, touching the enemy quickly to like send out uh, an ice pellet or whatever. Then on the top screen, you're inputting combos with the D-pad in order to make the top screen character fight enemies. Now, Theoretically, the game wants you to do both of these at the exact same time. What happens is one character starts an attack, and they get what's called a puck. And this puck will then move to the other character, and then you're supposed to input commands for that character, and then the puck will move back and forth between the characters. It's supposed to make sure that you're not doing everything at the same time, but you're moving back and forth between the top and bottom screen. As we were talking about earlier, I can multitask in StarCraft with no problem. This game bewilders me. Like, I am just... I feel completely out of control with this battle system. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll end up dying in a battle, and I won't understand why. Then I'll restart the exact same battle because the game lets you save wherever you want, which is a great feature. But then I'll just play the battle again. I'll play it the exact same way that I did and not even get hit. So it just it feels very weird. And then the game does another bizarre thing where it makes it so that you can really customize the battle system. You can make it so that your top screen character is completely controlled by the game's AI. You can make it so that you knock the difficulty back down. Uh, but if you do that, then the drop rate on rare items goes down. All these things would indicate to me that this battle system is inherently broken and the developers knew it. You guys have all played the game. Uh, at least I know Neil has because you reviewed it. So and I have, I... Dennis has. I'm going to assume Zach has. I've played a, a, a small amount of it. Not yeah. recently. Is it not obvious that this game does not work if the developers put all these – is this an example of the developers were such – were so far ahead in their thinking that they realized that some people would have a hard time with it, that they made it so you could play the game the way you wanted to, or are they inherently admitting that the battle system is completely broken and unplayable? Well, I don't, I don't see how they're admitting that it's – in what way because, I mean, they, they let you auto-control the D-pad character if you want. Um, yeah. Like if you let it, if you let it just kind of sit, it'll just you know 
send off combos, and it certainly won't do it as fast as you know, like you could rattle off a combo. But you know, I I mean, from what I've played, and this was probably like two years ago, and I didn't play much more than like three or four hours of it. Um, I mean, I had a good time. My biggest qualm was that uh, what whatever the the main character's name is is just super emo. Neku. Neku. Yeah. Just, Neku I mean, is. And like... I know that changes, but. Yeah, that was my biggest issue with it. Uh, Neku is like Squall if somebody shot his puppy. <laughs> like, it's just taking Squall all the way up to Spinal Tap levels of 11. Like, he. I mean, uh, apparently, but, but, when you get later in the no, game. No, what, what I'm trying. But... No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to continue, please. Uh, well, I, I guess I just. To me, the battle system is just the worst part of this game. Like, I don't find the battles fun. I don't feel in control. I don't know what's happening. Like, okay, maybe I am but it a simple... Yeah, it really is um, patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. Yeah, I saw that in your review, and I was like, that is awesome. And you and you mentioned in your review, Neil, that basically you just got through the whole game by stylus mashing. And see, we always... You know, a game like, say, God of War, people will say, like, oh, it's just a button masher. And it gets detracted for that. Now, why didn't The World Ends With You get that? Well, again, it's like you said. I mean, yes, the battle system had had its had its flaws. I mean, I applaud that it was that had a unique that had unique idea, you know, maybe wasn't super precise, but. It's because the other elements of the game were just so good. I mean, the the visuals were really stylish. Um, I thought the story was fantastic. I loved the music. I mean, everything else about the game was just so good that, you know, that even though the battle system, I would have completely, like, annihilated it in another, in in a lesser game, I was able to kind of overlook it a bit and see i can't do that i'm such a uh if if we're gonna make the analogy of like game review is like i don't know looking at a car or something i am more concerned with the engine than how the car looks and the car has to be fun to handle and it has to be like i don't care if i'm driving you know like my mom's hatchback or whatever like something that just looks god awful as long as it's fun to control and i I'm an engine guy and I'm a gameplay guy and I just I can't get into the world ends with you and I'm I'm probably going to play it to completion because I am intrigued but I can't enjoy the overall gameplay and if I can't enjoy the gameplay then to me the game is just it, it's heavily heavily flawed like I I forget what you gave it Neil but it's something like an 86 or whatever yeah on the uh, yeah yeah and that was actually one of the lowest rated reviews that you see on Metacritic and I yeah. liked the game quite a bit but again, I think but and I think it's a fair score because it was a, like above average and it was so great in all areas. But, you know, I can't. But but, you know, like with the battle system, plenty, I'm sure plenty of folks agree with you, Rob, that it that it's that it's finicky and not. Yeah, it's, I like to share my take on the battle system. Sure, sure, sure. I guess sure. part of my problem was it had a, it felt like a steep learning curve. Like, I was just getting crappy ranks and all that. It just oh, took yeah. me a while to find my little style, how just things work. Eventually, I just kind of mostly focused on the bottom screen and just kind of button button demashed the top. And I just picked the pins I liked that were simple to use, that were strong, that were effective, and just ran with it. 
It's like I didn't experiment too much. Then yeah, and, start... and see, I haven't gotten any more pins than what you start out with. Like, I still only have the starting set, and I'm like four or five hours into the game, and I'm like, okay, I really only like two of these, and even that, I don't really like them that much. Yeah, it's like, I don't remember when you get more pins anyhow. And I guess the one thing that did get to me in the battle system, it mostly didn't bother me. It just was during the boss fights where things are chaotic or there's barely any openings during some of the boss fights. So that kind of that kind of floored me at times. Yeah, trying Especially to get, towards the end. Yeah, trying to get Neku to dodge in that game is like just an exercise in frustration because you have to press the stylus down on him and then quickly move in a direction. And you're supposed to use that to like dodge enemy attacks. So you see the enemy telegraph the attack. You know, it's coming. And I think I dodged maybe one out of every ten times. And I'm sure somebody's going to say, oh, you just suck at the game. And I'm like, no, it's very imprecise. I think this is a horrible use of the DS. Like, there's so many other cool things going on in this game. But overall, the DS controls, that stylus-based control is just horrible. Like, I With random encounters, it didn't really get to me. It's mostly the later boss fights where, like I said... Just felt tough, but at least there's difficulty scaled down. So yeah. right, I can drop the difficulty down, and I, I think it's great when a developer makes a game that you can play it the way you want to play it, and I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. But that's it also, what I really liked about it. Yeah, but it, that also screams to me that somebody like as this game was getting ready to be made, somebody was like, "You guys realize we've made something that is just like we all get it." But is anybody else going to get it? You know, it's like the groupthink scenario. I brought up the same idea with uh, Dragon Age because I think the uh, the doctors at Bioware they came out when Mass Effect Two was coming out. And they said, "Oh yeah, gamers are coddled too much and games are too easy these days." And I'm like, "Okay, Dragon Age beat me to death with like a rusty hammer, and like Mass Effect Two, I died once. Like you guys really don't understand difficulty. Like they, if you're playing a game for three years." you are not put in a position of a new gamer playing your game for the first time. Like I think if somebody at square had given, you know, just a focus test group, this game, the bewildered look on everybody's face would have scared them to death because everybody's got to have the same look in their face when they first come across a battle in this game of just, what am I doing? Like, what is this on a side note? This game has some of the worst tutorials and menus I've ever seen. There's a point in the game where you actually have to read what you're supposed to do on the top screen while performing it on the bottom screen. And now granted you can't die in that encounter, but it was like, I can't do both at the same time. I have no idea what you want me to do right now. Uh, I don't recall that much trouble. I just okay with it too. I, I'm just I'm bewildered by the battle system, and I I can never get it. The one the one strike, the vertical strike, I just gave up on. I completely gave up on that pin. I literally could never get it to work. I got it to work maybe once in every battle, and I would just do it over and over. And they're like, well, make sure to put, to bring the stylus up off the screen when you complete the strike. And I would try it, and it just wouldn't work. Oh, yeah. With some, oh, yeah. I mean, with some of the pins, you know, you're doing some of the stylus motions, just, it, it was, it was finicky. So I found that I tended to use a lot of the pins where basically I'm furiously um, tapping uh, at the enemies or, or, or using ones where the movements, or using the some of the arc movements, because I felt like, oh, that those work those work for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just depends on what works for you, really. 
Yeah, and I think that's a good aspect of the game, but I just, uh, you know, getting back to what we were talking about before, which was control in an RPG, I just feel very out of control in uh, The World Ends With You and in Final Fantasy Thirteen. Now, maybe this is just my own personal gamer style, but, like, if I'm playing an RTS, I'm okay with everything happening in real time. That's perfectly fine. You know, like when I beat Zack this evening in StarCraft 2, like I'm okay with the fact that, you know, my Dark Templar run in there and just uh-huh. beat all those resources. We know, we know. It's not an yeah, RPG. Yeah, just got yeah, to rub get that. back on just topic. Gotta, just got to rub that salt in there. But, it, but it's but when it, you introduce like an active time bar and it's hurry up and wait that bugs you. No, it's it's more if I have to monitor HP levels and MP levels and make sure that I input proper commands, I want there to be a pause. And honestly, if Dragon Age Origins had not had a pause button, I would not have been able to play that game. But I mean, that's because I just Dragon Age Origins is like the the epitome of a computer RPG, you know, as it yes. was like close to ten years ago. So <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same genre if you had you know like Dragon Age without a pause. I mean, it'd be a very very different game. Which, yeah, no, it, exactly. Right. But but right. then, like, why did they take that out from, like, Final Fantasy Twelve is similar, and you can pause and assign tactics if you want to. And that saved me in a couple of the boss fights in Final Fantasy Twelve. But Final Fantasy Thirteen, there ain't no pause button. That battle is just going. It's like a downhill, like, steeplechase. It is... If you lose control of the battle system in Final Fantasy Thirteen, you're already dead. I mean, like if if you've done one thing wrong, it's over. And I, I applaud the fact that the game's difficult, but I also am sitting there going like, okay, I'm sorry that I didn't like notice right away that the character that I'm not in control with wasn't doing the right thing. And and you in know? this instance, in Final Fantasy's instance, I actually agree with you that it could have benefited from a pause. It could have even benefited from a like a computer interface. You know, like if that game had played. You know, like, with the same battle system, but just with the interface of, you know, like, Dragon Age. You know, like, with a more expanded, open, available interface instead of having, you know, like, menus. Oh, yeah, the, that. Yeah, the menus. And, like, sitting there trying to uh, to cycle through the menus and make sure that you assign the proper tactics. And then you get into the whole, like, meta game, which is like, oh, well, do I fill out my whole bar? Or do I just do, like Dennis said in one of the episodes, like, put one or two in and then commit the action right away like in the time that it took me to think about whether or not i should do that i just died yeah it's almost it's kind of, it yeah it's almost like how in you know the earlier final fantasies when you could choose your choose either active or wait i would always choose wait because i didn't want to have the enemy pounding on me while i'm cycling through menus yeah i choose active for the hell of it no, no, I, I'm with Neil. I always go wait. I always go wait because I feel like there's more of a tactical element. And I'm sure somebody's going to make the argument, oh, well, there's more of a tactical element because now you're right in the middle of things and you have to keep going. But like, if you compare Final Fantasy X, which I think X had my favorite battle system in a Final Fantasy, where it was just purely tactics. Like You knew when that enemy was going to hit you with something, and you had to get ready for it. Yeah, it had so the there, turn order. Yeah, and I, I loved that. I'm sitting here going, like, bring that back. And then to go to the world's ends with you, and now I'm a righty. Okay, I'm a righty. So my right hand is constantly covering up the HP bar to where I can't see. I can't see what I'm doing. So I'm like – Imagine uh, how hard it would be if you're a lefty, you know, having to use the D-pad and all that. Yeah, I, I just uh, – 
I don't know exactly how some people can manage to do it, but it's just really, really hard for me. And I, I like to play an RPG where I feel fully in control. And not to bring up StarCraft again, but StarCraft has those awesome uh, hot buttons, which makes it so that you can perform actions very, very quickly. And Final Fantasy Thirteen is menu-driven. And Twewi, uh, I'm sorry, I used the Yahtzee thing. Uh, the, the World Ends With You is very, like, touch based well i think it's it's interesting so it's an interesting comparison that you make between final fantasy 13 and 12 because for or the world ends with you because for (laughs) for everything that you know like for all the imprecision that there is in that system you know like and and i was thinking about how the dsixl would kind of uh expand on that um and that you know it's certainly possible that like what would normally be like what you would think would be like a regular sized, you know, like stroke up is, you know, like smaller because the relative size of the, the DSI XL screen. Basically, I mean, right. it's it's a very accessible system, you know, like it gives you everything that you you have all the pins available, you know, like the it's the touch screen and the D pad and there's no like sub menus that you have to shuffle through like in Final Fantasy thirteen. So I think that's that's um you know, like one of the things that you know, like Despite its imprecision, uh, the world ends with you kind of does better than than Final Fantasy Thirteen. It's much more you know like open and, and well presented. Dennis, get in there. All right. So again, like I was mentioning, part of me th- wants you to try the East games because I think some of the complaints he was talking about with you know lack of control and stuff, I think you'll appreciate what the games does more. Like for example, like I talked about with E Seven earlier. The AI won't have any stupid deaths on you or anything of that sort. Whereas with a lot of boss fights, especially with the, again, Ultim Felgana, my favorite action RPG, where, yeah, you levels and equipment do kind of have a factor in it. Otherwise, the rest is just skill, purely skill-based kind of thing where, yeah, you won't get through the boss fights at all if you don't even know what you're doing kind of thing. And even if you lose repeatedly, you could just re- there's a retry option, no penalties, and you just retry right at the boss, no problem. When all the cutscenes already skipped. Yeah, one last and one last and Dennis, thing. Go ahead, Neil. Go ahead. And Dennis, and you said that the uh, companion AI in seven was pretty good. Yeah, because like I said, they won't take much damage. They won't die on you of any sort, and easy to switch on the fly. It's like you don't have to babysit them, pretty much. It's all I need to hear. I do not enjoy babysitting computer yep. control characters. None in, uh, none in this I game. Agree. I agree. One last thing, and then we got to get to the news because we're starting to run a little long. Uh, and I'm not trying to just have the final word, but um, I love the fact that Final Fantasy 13 gives you the retry option in battles. I think the world ends with you should have had that option because the be- you can die in a random encounter in that game very, um, very I easily. Think you got, let's see. I think you got it reversed because world ends with you – allowed you to retry and it and it would ask you no you want to try it on easy no 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 no. if you die on a battle and the world ends with you you go right back to the start menu mm-hmm. and you get to save whenever you want to and the world ends with you which is great but now if if you suddenly mm-hmm. forgot boss, to save boss battles they let you retry okay boss battles okay so i died i died in a random encounter and it was after a major story bit and you know shame on me i didn't save beforehand but then i had to go back through that whole thing if you're gonna have a save system in a game where it's not based around reaching a save point it's based around the user deciding when to save you have to do it like dragon age where the game will automatically save 
at certain points. You can't leave it completely up to the player because if the player gets too absorbed, if the player suddenly doesn't want to be taken out of the experience and save, if the immersion factor has gotten a hold of them, you can put yourself in a position where you go a couple, you know, half hour without saving. And that can really come back to bite you. Yeah, tell you. In this one game I was recently playing, Dreamscape, the autosaver saved my tail many times. You you need an autosave function. If if you have user controlled saving, you need an autosave function, and that that's a minor complaint at the world's ends with you. It was kind of like a oh shame on me. I'm not going to let that happen again. But I literally just stared at the game and I was like, oh come on, you know. At least I believe there's a text skipping option. At least very fast forward. Oh, is there? Okay, I missed it then. I missed it. Uh, maybe yeah, in those period of menus. To me, it's bad when you can't skip text and you have to do all that over. Games like World's Ends with you, yeah, you could skip them. Or at least okay. go through them fast. Like I okay. forget the start button or something like that. Oh, then that's not a big deal then. Then I just missed that. Okay. All right. So now with all that said, we have lots and lots of news to talk about. So Zach, can news. we start? Can we start with the news story that I was right on, please? Uh, please. You, you, I mean, please. the one that they told us you would be right on, because they did say it would be a teaser trailer. They did. They did not say that when I called it, sir. I think they did they not did. say that when I, I called it. I don't know. It. I might be mistaken, but well, I suppose let's let's just jump into it. Dragon Age Two. There was a trailer at uh, EA's press conference at Gamescom. Badass. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a pretty awesome trailer. Like those demon hands at the end are like crazy, but it was CG. <laughs> um, and you know, there's there's been some kind of stuff leaking out a while back about you know like how there's you know like the the cameras you know like not going to be as far out and certain things like that. You know, no modding in the PC version at least. Yeah, but the, a the, there's a lot of really. There's a lot of really interesting things going on with Dragon Age 2. I wish Kyle or John were here to talk about uh, Dragon Age, but like, first off, the new screenshots look so much better than they, those they ones look that they gave in Better, Palmer. but they're also, you know, like better placed. I feel like they're they're better composed than the the yeah. games ones were because if you look still at the like if you look at the ground textures in the in the new screenshots they're still like pink slash orange and ugly as all sin but you don't see mo uh, much of much of the ground textures because you know like the focus is on the the character models and you know like the character right. models are getting better you know like it's certainly still a game that has a long ways to go uh you know at least march 8th is the the currently announced release date uh at least for the u.s it's like a couple days later in in europe but um, I mean, I'm I'm but still it, excited. I still also need to play Dragon Age. But yes, you do. Now it it looks much much better. I agree with you that you know some texture work looks bad, but you know we'll see how that works out. But the game looks much much better. What I'm concerned about though is I want to play this game on the console slash device, whatever you want to call it that it's meant to be played on. I played Dragon Age Origins on my PC because it was a PC game. If this is going to be more of an action-based game, which, you know, they said that you know, this is a game where you press a button and something instantly happens. It's not like God of War, but and it's not like Dynasty Warriors, but it is very, like, tactile feeling. Do I really want to play this game on PC? Because I'll tell you what, I was playing, um, again, not an RPG, but I was playing Kane and Lynch Dog Days, and I was playing the demo, and, which I did not like. Uh, and that, the behind-the-back style game, the third-person style shooter on a PC controls 
horrible. It does not feel right. It feels very, very awkward. It's just the mouse and keyboard design is not suited to a third person style. Yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it's not great. And so, yeah, it, that's one thing. I mean, when I, when it first was kind of announced that it would have that sort of different, more actiony, you know, like, or more, I think they called it like intense and, you know, like other marketing speak adjectives for, you know, like action <laughs> game. Um, like that's the one thing that I was kind of bringing up is like, Hey, you know, like what if this is a very different game on the PC and the console? And I mean, that's, that's something that you kind of have to like, or that would be interesting to see is if Dragon Age two on the PC played like Dragon Age one and Dragon Age two on the console played like more of an action game. You know, it's two very different games, two very different (laughs) gameplay experiences. The only way I was able to get through Mass Effect 2, because Mass Effect 2 doesn't feel terrible, even though it's third it's third person on PC, the only reason I was able to get through it was because I was playing as a sniper class. So I was able to basically go into first-person view mode, essentially, and shoot people. But if I tried to play as, like, a biotic or whatever in that game, there's just a... It just feels off on PC. It feels very, very weird to aim with your mouse if you're trying to use like a specific skill in third person. It feels very – at least to me, I don't know about you guys, but it feels very, very weird. And I don't want to play Dragon Age 2 on PC if it's going to be like trying to play Batman Arkham Asylum on PC. You know, like I tried that, and that didn't feel too good, you know, pressing left click to punch yeah you, you know, gotta, you gotta get the, the the controller for that but yeah I, I would actually but it's uh, okay enough dragon age 2 but it's just very interesting i want to see gameplay Soon all right age, right yeah. hopefully yeah uh, bioware you guys listen to the podcast fly me up to canada and i will look at that game like i want to see it running yeah i mean other news from from that same press conference is that mass oh, effect 2 boy. is coming to ps3 Oh boy! So more Mass Effect Two, yay! Because you know we love it so much. But um, I think the the most interesting, the most interesting thing is uh that they're adding since Mass Effect One wasn't on PS3 and probably won't be on PS3, they're adding a new chunk of content at the beginning of the game, which I'm you know like they haven't said what it's going to be yet, but I'm assuming that it's going to be you know like a a shortened like a super short playthrough of Mass Effect 1 where you do like the main worlds, you know, you can make your decisions, you can do your romances, whatever it is. Hopefully updated with the the uh, Mass Effect 2 engine. Um you know, I, oh, I don't that's, assume that's a and very with, with new with new uh, cutscenes with uh, and they're going to add a handful of the DLC that's currently out on, you know, to to take advantage of that Blu-ray space. So at the very least have some kind of short synopsis. Yeah, I mean they Probably they've de- they've said lost. it's going to be a you know like definitely going to be a gameplay thing. It's new gameplay, so they're you okay. know I I think they said and now I'm not a hundred percent sure, but in the realm of three to four hours, and I you know I could be overestimating that, but um you know so it's going it's not going to be an an unremarkable chunk of game, you know it's I'm I'm excited see, well, to see what they do with okay. that. And as long as they do something to compensate, yeah. Yeah, and they, not like not like what they did with say Xenos Saga in like yeah. in like some other countries because like I mean yeah they had they yeah I mean I think in Europe that you know they only got Xenos Saga two and then and then they were able to get like you know the montage of um, CG cutscenes but that only tells you so much of the story yeah so, and they can't. 
Sorry, go on. I was going to say, they can't release Mass Effect 1 because that was published by Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. So the only way that they could get around it is what I would think I think they should do is do exactly like Zach was saying. You put Mass Effect 2's engine into Mass Effect 1, which would make me play Mass Effect 1 the whole way through, and you just release it as Mass Effect Ultimate or something I like mean, that. I mean, I don't think but, they're going to go so far as that, but you know, like the, Mass awesome. Effect 1 can certainly be played through you know like if you're playing a soldier spec to you know like yeah. run through the game That's you can do a run for like six game. to eight hours but i think that they're going to do like a you know like a condensed version of that you know maybe if not the whole game then you know like expand that that sequence at the beginning of mass effect 2 where they go over your choices and you know like give you like snippets of mass effect 1 but Just i think the main points of the story basically yeah. But uh, you know, just there's there's a whole bunch of news, so I'm just gonna keep going. Um, yep. Sorry, I was yeah, I was gonna make no, fun no, of the oh. fanboys crying, but go for <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, Neil, your your favorite indie or not favorite, but your indie RPG, uh, Reseteer, is coming out as you said on September 10th. It's gonna be 20, uh, 15 euros or 13 uh, pounds, and it's gonna be on. Uh, for those of you who don't want to just buy it from you know like the developer's website and lose your download or whatever. It's going to be on Stardock's Impulse platform, which is, you know, it's not quite Steam, but it's still a respectable, downloadable platform that I have my fair share of games on. Um, let's see. Uh, Square Enix is has brought Chaos Rings to the iPad, so it's nice, nice you know, high res, and it's uh, about uh, $16. I'm, you know, I'm just going to breeze through these. Um, Cladun, this is an RPG, is coming out uh, September 7th, and it's going to be distributed on PSN. It's uh, the, the PSP game that they announced at uh, Nice America's uh, Spoiler Party a couple... Uh, Isn't that that retro-looking one? Yeah, I think yeah. it's like yeah, a it's dungeon weird. crawler that you can customize the characters and, and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I'll at least take an eye on that, because I, like I like the retro stuff, especially if they parry it. AK yeah. with Half Minute Hero did. Mm. That um, game was cool, Half Minute Hero. Yes. Yeah, no, Keep I, going, Zach. Keep going. Uh, Lord of the Rings Free to Play is coming out also on September 10th. So you know, if you're if you're not playing the indie Japanese RPG, then maybe you're playing the the big free to play Western MMO. Um, Half Minute Hero Second, which is the uh, the you know, second game in the series, uh, will have an editing mode. Um, where you can create levels and, you know, like, different, uh, you can even have, like, dialogue and stuff, lots of stuff in the Very game. Very interesting. Uh, so hopefully and, you know, that'll, you know, like, we'll be able to and share. Is any heard about, you know, uploading it online to the PSP? It's kind of oh, like what okay. Mega Man Powered Up did, where you create the levels, get uploaded online, people can download it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't even, part. I didn't even notice that before. It's going to use the the PSP infrastructure online, so that'll you'll be able to throw them up on, I guess, their servers, and they can even be rated. So, you know, Excellent. it'll definitely extend the life of, of that game. Hopefully, it'll be brought to America. Yeah, this should be keep going, really cool. going. Pre-order Valkyria Chronicles 2 and get some extra missions. Uh, you know, like there's a couple. Keep going. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 is not canceled for the 360. It is only on pause because of Xbox Live wait, being a less open wait, platform. Wait. Uh, 14. Sorry. Okay. 14. Final Fantasy 14, the MMO, still possibly coming to 360, but Xbox Live. Oh, it's it's gonna be on 360. Eventually. Eventually. Um. Let's see, Golden Sun Dark Dawn, which is the DS game, is coming to Japan in but by the end of 2010. So you know, definitely, uh, I think we're, we're looking. Hmm? 
So it's not coming to September 10. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's it's going to be a, a maybe a little bit longer until he reaches us here. Everything um, else is coming that day, so. Yeah. Um, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, eighty dollars special edition has some stuff in it. Uh, no, it has an art we... book, in-game pet, behind-the-scenes DVD, soundtrack, mouse pad, and trading cards. Uh, Very interesting. No release date yet. Uh, yeah, sooner or later. You know, you'll. I mean, I'm assuming we'll see something. Did BlizzCon happen? No, BlizzCon's in October. We'll probably see something in BlizzCon for that. Uh, and then the last two biggish, biggish news titles that you know I think we should talk about perhaps a little bit more uh, are Double Fine's next game, Costume Quest, uh, is the first one. Which I don't know. Has everyone has everyone seen the, yep. the trailers and such? So um, yeah, it looks cute. Mm-hmm. It, I think it, you know. It, well, basically for for those of you who hadn't seen the news story, it's uh it look it's Double Fine is the people who made Brutal Legend, led by Tim Schafer. Um, and Psychonauts. This, yeah, and Psychonauts. I love that game. Um, they Both great games. Yeah, um, they are making a traditional kind of JRPG styled RPG set on Halloween, uh, where you're you know like a, a boy or girl and his younger sister or her younger sister, and you go around you know like trying to save your town from this evil force. Uh, and it's an interesting take on the the class system, which is you know kind of like. If you're if you're wearing you know like some dinky robot costume and you get into battles you'll become like a you know, like a giant mech or you know like there's a unicorn costume and you know, like some other costumes that they've announced so there's a trailer out for that and definitely check that out I mean any any thoughts on that I think it looks pretty interesting man yeah. it's not hey. Diablo made it sound interesting well look if if it has the same like you know sense of fun that something like Dead Spank did then I'm definitely in. I mean, it it seems like it'll you know perhaps Death Bank was a little bit more in the realm of like you know slightly more juvenile humor, but um, Costume Quest seems like it'll be a a good kind of feel good funny sort of deal. Um, and then yeah. and then last but not least is Atlas's next is Atlas's first HD game, Catherine, which you I know, just saw the trailer last night. I, I don't know interesting. if it, yeah I don't know if it's confirmed to be like a a super RPG you know like it's been touted as an are touted as an action adventure game um but that's going to be coming in japan this winter so that just got announced in in famitsu and you know uh i mean i know neil i saw on the boards that you were getting pretty excited about it i am too uh yeah. and so it, am I. it 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 piqued my interest i mean and because i'm definitely a persona fan and it looks like it's gonna handle and one thing i like about Shin Megami Tensei is that they handle adult situations in a mature fashion in it, mm. and it looks like this one will do it stylistically too. Yeah, I, I have to go watch the trailer. I still haven't watched it yet. So. It's, I mean, it's you know, it's in Japanese, and there's you know, like very little indication yeah. that the game it's will come out. Persona Three and Four team that ma- that's making it right. Yeah, and SMT yep. uh, Nocturne. Although it's technic, it's not a SMT game. I don't think. Uh, and you know, like we we might have to, you know, like we might not be doing much coverage in the future when we start seeing the gameplay, depending on how much of an RPG it really is. But uh, I mean, it looks, you know, it looks good. It's at the very least, you know, like that Persona pedigree is uh, something that I'm excited for. And you know, like the, you know, what uh, adult themes, shall we say, are, there are in the trailer, I think, are tastefully done and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking. Yeah, it's it looks kind of brief, trippy. even though it's a little frequent. Mm. Looks looks a little trippy, so I'm excited. 
All right. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I think I'm spent. Ugh. Are you spent? Are you spent? spent. All right. Keep so, going. That's, keep going. No, that's pretty much the end of the actual RPG uh, fan podcast. Uh, if you guys want to end right now, that's random perfectly encounter. fine. Totally. Un- yes, random encounter. Um, <laughs> it's really cool if you guys want to end now, but uh, we're going to take the direction in a different route right now, which is uh, the horrible customer service that I've been dealing with. with I, Sony. Will, I will quickly, quickly say that coming soon is an RSS feed. In the how near long future. have we been, we've been have saying we... that for a while, but like we're really close now. Like I'm, I'm the one who's doing You're it. You're about so. ready to start school again, Zach. I am, but I, I that's you know RSS that's is something I can do in my free time. I don't have classes on Tuesday or Thursday, which is pretty great. So, you know, okay, uh, coming uh, soon. It'll be on iTunes when it happens. Review us. So, um, just to give some background on what's been going on with me and my PlayStation 3. As I said a couple of weeks ago, my PlayStation 3, I got the yellow light of death. Uh, so I decided to turn it in rather rather than try to repair it myself. We all know that the videos are available online to repair it. Uh, I decided to turn it into Sony. Now, Sony offers two deals currently for if you have a 60-gig PlayStation 3 that has a yellow light of death. One is you can turn it in for $170 and get another 60 gig refurbished back. The other option is to spend $150 and get a PS3 Slim. Okay, now, as we all know, the PlayStation 3 Slim does not play PS2 games. So I had not been backing up my game saves, which is fine. Everybody can make fun of me for that. Uh, So I wanted to get back my PlayStation 3. I was going to, I put a 250 gigabyte hard drive in there myself. So I took that out and I put the original 60 gig back in. I wanted to get back my PlayStation 3 because every PlayStation 3 imprints its own set of data on the hard drive so that it can only be used with that PlayStation 3. When I was going to turn it into Sony, I talked to two customer service representatives, and they both said that even though it was a regular, they would try to make sure I got back my unit, uh, my PlayStation 3. They would repair it if they could and send it back to me. Needless to say, that didn't happen. I ended up getting a refurbished PlayStation 3. Okay, that sucks. I lost all my game saves. I have to play through Red Dead Redemption again. Fine, whatever. I plugged the PlayStation 3 in, and it doesn't work. And so now I have a broken, refurbished PlayStation 3. Now, the PlayStation 3, the 60-gig PlayStation 3, we all know that they have huge problems. And the only reason I got a refurbished one was because of the chance of me getting back my unit. So now I want to get a PS3 Slim. I understand I'm going to have to buy a PS2, but I want a PS3 Slim because they're better designed machines and they have better heat sinks and they have better fan capability. I was on the phone for two hours with Sony. And Sony was completely unwilling to follow through with their original offer of a PS3 Slim, saying that, no, I had made the decision that I had made, and I was now under a new warranty, even though the system that they gave me was broken. I talked to a wonderful woman in uh, corporate who will remain nameless uh, for the purpose of this podcast, um, which was about the rudest, most condescending conversation I have ever had with somebody when it comes to customer service. She began by trying to lecture me on the fact that I was in a dangerous power area. 
I said, what? She said, well, you're living in such and such Pennsylvania currently, and that is a dangerous power area. And so you should unplug your PlayStation 3 all the time before you power it down just in case of a surge so that we can avoid this issue in the future. Keeping in mind that this yellow light of death is a heat sink issue, this is a problem with the temperature of the PlayStation 3, it's not exactly a power issue, I said, I don't really see what this has to do anything, but also keep in mind that I've been in Columbia, South Carolina for the past two years getting my graduate degree when this happened. She then proceeded to say that, oh, well, in South Carolina you have hurricanes, and that's just as dangerous to your PlayStation 3. Okay, uh, a hurricane did not kill my PlayStation 3. I got a yellow light of death. I tried to explain to her that I had already paid money, $170. I want a slim PS3. I'm not worried about the difference. I want what, one of the original offers. She said that was not going to happen. I made mention of the fact that I was very concerned about getting another PlayStation 3 that would end up getting another yellow light of death. Her excuse, her response to me was, well, I have a 60-gig PlayStation 3, and it works fine. I've never experienced any problems. Good for you. Yeah. Now, I'm not a customer service specialist, but that is not exactly the way that you treat a customer. Okay? You do not sit there and say, well, I'm fine, and so you should be too. So needless to say, this woman was just completely rude and condescending when I asked to speak to her superior because I was not happy with the fact that she wasn't giving me a reason why I couldn't upgrade and she wasn't even helping me. She said no. She refused to let me speak to a superior. Now we have a huge issue because if you ever ask to talk to somebody higher up in customer service, everybody has a boss, okay? And I'm sorry, I have a formal complaint against her right now through Sony where I had to call Sony back and try to work my way up through corporate again. Apparently, she is like the brick wall of corporate. And I'm sitting here trying to launch a formal complaint at the way I was treated. The fact that two customer service representatives said they would try to get my PlayStation 3 back, she said, well, if you don't have their names, then I'm just going to assume that conversation never took place. Now – my PlayStation 2 broke three times when I was a kid in, in high school and in college. Twice it was repaired for free. Once it was repaired for $50, and I could have gotten that money back because of the lawsuit that Sony lost because of the discrete errors on their PlayStation 2s. We all remember what happened with Microsoft and the Red Ring of Death. So I would advise anybody – that's having problems with a yellow light of death on a PlayStation 3 to call Sony and stop taking it from them and stop letting them screw over their consumers because this is BS. I am not embellishing what happened to me. I put a dispute order on my credit card because I am not going to pay for the service that they have yet to provide me until I get some answers from them why I can't go back on doing an original offer. This is completely ridiculous. This is a horrible way to treat your customers. And I'll tell you what. I've been a Sony owner since 97. I bought a PlayStation for Final Fantasy VII. See if we get back to RPG fan right there. <laughs> I have never been treated this badly, and I no longer want to be a Sony customer if I'm being treated like this. So I'm off my soapbox right now, but I wanted 
you guys, the listeners, to understand what somebody is going through right now, trying to get something taken care of with customer service. I'm not trying to start a revolution. I'm not trying to get a petition signed. But I'm telling you, if you guys have had issues with your PlayStation 3s, please voice this to Sony because this is a huge problem right now. Again, I'm not trying to start anything major. I'm not trying to start a petition or anything. But please – Don't just roll over and take it from these companies when they tell you something like, oh, it can't be done. Because the fact of the matter is that it can. And I'm sorry, Nintendo is still the gold standard when it comes to hardware. And they still make the damn fine hardware that we all get. And you can basically flush a DS in a toilet and it will still run. But this this PlayStation 3 issue is horrible right now. And I just – I am so fed up and so frustrated, and I'm thanking you guys for letting me get my frustration out there. I did not embellish anything. I just gave you guys the facts of how I was treated. Take it for what you will. If anybody wants to make any comment, that's fine right now because I'm done, and I'm getting mad again. So you guys can talk for a second. Talk, damn it. Bummer, dude. Yeah, it sucks, man. It's like some makes me I mean, when I hear about stuff like this, it all it you know, I hate to sound like an old man, but I sometimes keep thinking, and they don't make them like they used to. Cuz I mean, I once had a I cuz I had a Sega Genesis, a first generation Sega Genesis, you know, back in 89 or 90 came with Altered Beast. Um at one at one point you know, had a bunch of people over. Someone spilled a cup of cola on it. To say I was pissed was an understatement, but, you know, clean it off with some paper towels and everything, things still worked. I mean, it worked while I was in middle school, high school, college, and beyond. Worked perfect. I mean, unfortunately, I lost it in one of my recent moves, but if I were to have it in front of me right now, plug it into my TV... I bet you it would still work. You know, I'm like, I don't think any my PlayStation, my PlayStation 2, my PlayStation 3, I'm not sure any of those could survive a cola spill. I mean, people have been talking about their Game Boys and everything being bulletproof and everything. I mean, yes, yeah, someone could argue that, you know, with hardware being more advanced and having more moving parts, that yes, there's a greater chance of failure, but I feel like if I'm paying the kind of money I'm paying, I want to know that that my hardware's not going to crap out on me, especially since yeah. I, I play RPGs. I mean, you know, they're lengthy games where I'm saving a lot. So the last thing I need is for my system, my hardware to conk out on me or my save files to get corrupted. Because, you know, hey, hardware reliability is important for the types of games we play. Yeah, thank I, you I think for reminding me that I've lost everything, Neil. I think I'm sorry. My, my my view comes as a a younger gamer, but I also I have an SNES that still works to this day. It's in fact plugged in to like the tiny TV that I have next to my bed in case I want to play like Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball or whatever. Um, or Chrono Trigger. Or I actually don't have I have like the worst collection of SNES games, but that's besides the point. It still works. My N64 still works. My Dreamcast still works, if that if I can find where that is. Um, and I think it's kind of silly that you know, like, the, it's just accepted. It's an accepted fact these days that you know 
we that consoles will just die and you, you like you either have to get a new one or you're gonna get it you know replaced and you have to pay a little bit of money i think it's kind of ridiculous almost that you know like that's a an acceptable business practice and you know like i i'm perhaps one of those people that has you know like rolled over and you know just accepted it because you know like my xbox red ringed a while ago and fortunately i didn't have you know any games that i was like in pressing need to play but i did have to buy one of their one of their goofy memory cards you know which was like 30 bucks or something for a 512 meg of space and you know like to to slowly like move like transfer all of my files off of my old hard drive to my new hard drive when i got it you know like bit by bit and it's just it's silly and you know like it really it sucks that you know like that what what's going on with you rob and so yeah i mean it's just it boggles my mind that the fact that i'm under a new 90 day warranty for my refurbished unit but there's nothing that i can do to go back to the slim even though that was an offer that was originally on the table as far as i'm concerned sony did not come through with their end of the bargain and supply me with a working unit if i had gotten the unit and it played well for like a month then I'd understand, like, okay, well, I'm well within the 90-day warranty. No, this was you gave me a unit, and out of the box, it didn't work. And this woman tried to sit there and say, well, it was probably damaged in shipping. Now, I've already taken pictures of the box, and I'm going to supply them to my credit card company. This thing was not damaged in shipping at all. The box was pristine. The fact that Sony is not willing to own up to the fact that they did not check to make sure that this thing was working, I guarantee you all they do is just plug in the AC unit and turn the unit on. Now, the unit does turn on. It gets a green light, but there's no output. There's no video output, and I did everything. I did the whole uh, resetting the AV settings and everything. I worked with a customer service representative to try to get it working. But the fact that Sony was not willing to own up to the fact that they had not upheld their end of the bargain – the way I see it, I'm the only one that's lost anything in this. Sony has my original PlayStation 3, which they're going to refurbish and give to somebody. They're going to get that back the unit that they gave me that's broken. They're going to refurbish that and give it to somebody. I'm the one who's lost everything. And even if I get a Slim, I still have to buy a PS2 because my brother-in-law has my PlayStation 2. So I still have to go out and buy one. Sony's just going to get more of my money. So I don't understand why this can't be done. The fact of the matter is, is that I met somebody in corporate who is simply unwilling to please a customer in terms of an offer that had originally been made. That is BS to me. Sony has not lost any money. In fact, if they went ahead and gave me the stupid slim, they would have made 30 bucks more than they would have. So I don't understand this business practice. I do not understand why this is acceptable. And she I'm, – I'm sorry, excuses like AC power and, oh, my system works, those are not customer service. Or the weather. <laughs> or the weather. That's the goofiest like, of them all. I don't know. I think I think the my PlayStation works was the worst yeah, argument of them I'm, all. I'm in greens with that. It's like, yeah, weather's partially understandable. This, it's like that's kind of obnoxious. Hmm. I mean, I again, I, I really just wanted to voice it because, you know, we, we are in the media. We, we are in the press. I mean, we work for a small website, which is great, and we're not getting paid to do this. We're gamers just like everybody else. I buy my game systems. I buy my games. To be met with this 
kind of attitude and arrogance on Sony's part, it really makes me no longer want to be a Sony customer. And that's coming from somebody who could have been accused of being a PS3 fanboy. Anybody could have accused me of that. I don't own a 360, but I was seriously giving thoughts to going out and buying one because yeah. I could not believe how I was being treated. Yes. So, mm. like Neil said, they don't make them like they used to. It's like yeah. no Nintendo product ever broke on me. Whereas I had issues with the PS2, my first generation PSP, and the first P- Xbox. Yeah. yeah, and we pay good money for this stuff. I paid six hundred dollars for that thing. Come yeah. on, man! I know you pay that kind of money. You want it to. You expect it to work. Like, like I'm, I, this reminds me of something. Sorry to interrupt you guys. Sure. It's like I was just I was just randomly watching this YouTube video called like how tough are NES games, as in how tough are the NES cartridges. I thought it was just kind of an amusing watch. It's like well, it could really withstand a lot. For instance, for example, one person just dropped it from like what 50 story tall building. It rubbed it in alcohol. It, those both worked. It left out in the in the snow for three days straight, and it worked. It even ran over a car, and the cartridge worked. Yeah. And then there's there's the bombed out uh, Game Boy at the Nintendo World Store in New York City. Yes, that, uh, I saw that. That's it's it was in a I think an explosion in a bunker somewhere in the Middle East, like at some point ten it's to fifteen years ago. Story. Yeah, or, or longer. I'm not history and me are bad, but um, yeah, like over ten years ago, and. It's it was expl- like blown up pretty much the the casing is melted, and it's still able to run a te- like a demo of Tetris being played twenty four seven, at yes, that store. Yes, tell you, you know, Game Boys were built like bricks. I mean, Game Boy I mean, the bricks. colors, the advances, all built like all bulletproof. And Game see, much. I had to I had to send my P- I was kind of stuck. I had to send my PS3 to Sony because there's no way to get a disc out of a PS3 when it's broken, when it's yellow lighted, unless you have a 40 gig unit because then you can do the whole trick where like you hold down the power button and switch on the back and switch it back off and on and it'll pop out. That doesn't work on a 60 gig. So my DVD was stuck in there. To make matters worse, Sony does not have a system designed to save your game saves. Which I think is their biggest mistake. That's a huge problem. There was a trick I kind of learned, and maybe this is something you can drop because I, I, I was using this 60 gig PS3 with, with which I shared with my brother. Then I decided enough is enough. I bought myself my own Slim that I use for myself. There's something I just wanted to discover. It's like, yeah, the save files carry over flash drives. That's what I did and transferred my save files. Some are connected to the to the networks, I couldn't transfer my files for Demon Souls and Heavy Rain. The rest I did no problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I would have done that, but I couldn't. I couldn't even do that because my PlayStation 3 was broken, so I couldn't even transfer yeah. the files. I guess next time, like just in case, like when you get a working one, eventually just back up your saves through a flash drive. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's the thing is, like, that's such a it's such a goofy problem that we have in this day and age yeah. that like. I mean, you know, like, don't even get me started on Microsoft's, like, arcane DRM that, like, I bought my new Xbox, and it turns out that, like, you actually have to transfer the licenses and then re-download everything that you want to run on it. It's silly. But, I mean, like, if it, like, that applying to save is ridiculous. Sorry. No, I, just, I would like, just... 
Uh, sorry, I was just saying, like, yeah, I have a 360 since, like, what, 2007 or so? Still didn't die on me. I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, I was keeping my PlayStation 3 well-vented. You know, I'm I'm probably... When my my friends all know that I'm like the most anal retentive person when it comes to like my games and my DVDs and my computer, like I make sure that everything's in pristine condition. And then something like this happens, and then the way I'm treated, it just it really makes me no longer want to buy the product. And I'm not and I'm not saying that to create a coup. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here like you know you know a Glenn Beck of play, of anti PlayStation Three or something like that. You're just, you're just recounting your you're just recounting your personal experience. Yeah, and this yeah. is what I'm going through right now and i think if they had given me a slim if they had just said sure here's the offer here's your slim we're sorry i would have been like you know it sucks that i lost my game saves it sucks that i have to buy a ps2 but here's the thing i could have saved the game saves if i had been up on backing up my files and you know now i have a playstation 3 slim that's cool and now i have to go out and buy a ps2 all right that's that's bad but I could at least accept it. The fact that Sony is not willing to even meet me with an offer that they originally made is BS. And I think that that's completely out of line. So, all right. I think we should go ahead and wrap it up because I'm getting kind of tired here and we've gone really long. So if you listen to the end of the segment, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening to Random Encounter. Uh, for Neil, for Zach, for Dennis, this is Rob signing off. Talk to you guys soon.